0: Ladies and gentlemen, hello there. Welcome to Touchdowns All Day with John Barber podcast. We're back again. Second episode. We're going to drop this one right away. This is our attempt at a public service announcement. We have on the show today, Vic Sobti, executive producer of the podcast. Vic is a doctor. Vic has run an entire hospital. Vic heads a telemedicine company focusing on radiology. Vic's wife is head of neurology at a hospital in Chicago. They're really, really deep in the medical business. And Vic wants to come on and talk about COVID-19. Most specifically, for a while, they thought his wife had it. And Vic has children. And so a lot of what we talk about is what to do when you have a household and someone in the household is positive for COVID-19. It ends up that she was symptomatic of flu a little bit, but didn't end up testing positive for it. But they did have a time period of about 10 days where they had to behave as if she did. Because that's the way this kind of stuff works. If you think you have it, you have to kind of behave as if you're positive and not try and affect other people in case you do. And... They did that, and so he tells us that story. So this is kind of an interesting take. I know there's a lot of COVID-19 facts and fiction out there. This is very fact-based because Vic's in the medical business and knows what he's talking about, and I just think it's an interesting take. How do you get tested if you think you have it? What are the symptoms, and what is it like out there to be tested, and what do you do in your house if you need to quarantine yourself and what do you do if in your house you need to quarantine someone else so really on message topic on the podcast here and we're gonna just pump this one out and get it to you guys as quick as possible so this is the touchdowns all day podcast for everyone listening if you want to be part of the conversation use hashtag touchdowns all day on twitter on instagram on facebook uh we are Touchdowns all day on Instagram, TDADBaby on Twitter. And uh, we are brought to you by the Osiris Podcast Network, OsirisPod.com, which has also been releasing a ton of great podcasts into the quarantine. So people are, you know, people are getting a lot of podcasts from from Osiris. Uh, I'm glad to be contributing to that. People are also getting a lot of concerts from the Disco Biscuits. There is a Friday and Saturday virtual tour going on on Nugs.tv where you can buy the whole tour for 150 bucks and you can buy each individual show for 10 bucks, I think. And you can just go to the show on Friday, Saturday night. These shows are from the archives. It's video we've never released, we've had it for a long time. And it's really great stuff. Last night was a New Year's Eve 2001, 2000, 2001 show where. We did a bunch of Star Wars songs and we flew people around from the ceiling and had Darth Vader fighting Superman on stage and the band was playing some crazy music and everybody was all dressed up and it was just a, it was a very unique concert in the history of the band. And you can go watch that right now on nugs.tv. This is our virtual tour so anything that you put in, uh, you know, if you pay 10 bucks to watch last night's show of the New Year's show to see all that craziness. The money doesn't just go to the band, it goes to the crew, it goes to the administrative people, it goes to all the people in the Biscuit organization so that everybody can pay their rent during COVID-19, which is the big goal here. And you know what? I'm impressed. We did, we really raised a good amount of money for everybody. Um, So I want to thank everybody out there who have been part of the virtual tour, anybody who bought virtual tour merchandise, Anybody who uh, was on the Zooms with us to Watching the shows as they happened uh, We really appreciate everybody contributing And being a part of our virtual tour Because these times, you know It's hard for there's everybody to make ends meet And it, it goes a long way for a lot of people So thank you guys very much We really appreciate it um, We also have merchandise coming to Touchdowns all day So sometime next week there'll be some t-shirts and some stickers and a couple of, and some a dope bathrobe of course and a cool jacket and stuff with our touchdowns all day logo on it which will help support the touchdowns all day team because you know those guys need support as well and we have a nice team here and we want to keep everybody together during the quarantine and we want to pump out a bunch of podcasts cuz things have been going great you know We have a lot of podcasts coming out right now. I'm going to put them out as on an ad hoc basis, as we talked about on the last episode. That was episode 26 with Evan Winnaker, manager of the Disco Biscuits. Uh, He also works at Full Stop Management and they handle Dead & Company and Lizzo and Travis Scott and other huge artists. So it's crazy to be with them. And you can go back, if you have tickets to a Disco Biscuit show that's been postponed, you should listen to the twenty episode 26 with Evan Winninger episode, because he talks about what you should expect with your postponements. I think it's towards the end of the interview, but if you're wondering, if you have ticket stubs for a show that, you know, didn't happen for whatever reason, either Mark's Corona or The World's Corona... Well, he explains how the postponements work and how your tickets are good and stuff like that. So really great conversation there. And today, episode 27, we have Vic Sopty, and we're going to have a really interesting, introspective conversation about COVID-19, living with someone with COVID-19. And I, I just, I didn't know any of this stuff. So thanks, Vic, for coming on the show. And here, we're going to get right to that. We're going to listen to a song first because we don't want to get too crazy uh, in the medical stuff right away because this is kind of a music podcast so I'm going to throw a jam on that Rich Deal chose we're going to listen to um, December 5th 2001 Reactor Crickets and this Rich says is one of the great Reactor Crickets and I know what this jam is because I remember this jam specifically because I walked off stage saying I I didn't know what key the band was in because I kept thinking we were going to another key so this is an interesting jam where people in the band literally think we're jamming into... I thought we were jamming into a different song than the other guys in the band thought we were jamming into. And sometimes you don't want to go look at the set list because you're busy playing. And so this is one of those jams where nobody looked at the set list and we just kept pulling each other towards different songs over and over again. And it created this incredible tension. And, you know, it just exploded at the top of it. So I know what jam this is and I'm glad Rich chose it. So we're going to get into that right now. Uh, Real quick, the sponsor of the week is Grey Star Collective, G-R-E-Y, Star Collective. They're a CBD startup based out of Denver, Colorado. They specialize in sourcing all organic superior hemp products, smokable hemp, pre-rolls, edibles, tinctures, topicals. Let Grey Star Collective be your one-stop shop for the best hemp products on the market. All their products are dosed accurately and effectively, which is super important. And, you know, it's great for variety ailments. So follow them on Instagram at Graystar Collective for product updates. And if you want to see the list of everything, like if you're home and you like CBD products, all you got to do is shoot an email to ryan at graystarcollective.com. That's it. Just say, hey, Ryan, hashtag Touchdowns all day. Send me the product list. And he'll shoot it over to you and then they'll get it to you in the quarantine and all that fun stuff. So thanks guys for uh, sponsoring us during the quarantine. We appreciate it. Let's get right into this episode Vic Soaptee medical professional. We're mass, communicate. mass oh, community. We we Folks, we're back. What a beautiful podcast. What a beautiful day in California. It seems like uh, maybe the earth needed a break from all the pollution. Because it has been... It rained for like the first four days, maybe ten days of the quarantine. I mean, we couldn't believe it. It never rains in California that much. Really, maybe for a week in January, but that's about it. And in March, it was... We saw hail. It was raining every day. There was just water falling out of the sky for days and days and days. And it was unusual, I gotta say. It was really unusual. And now, the rain has let up, and it's just beautiful blue skies. And I'm reading all these reports about how air pollution is falling drastically. And the greenhouse effect and all the carbon is climate change issues are coming are just you know alleviating a little bit let's just say because you know it's probably so far along but it is a nice break from Mother nature and a lot of people die because of pollution apparently from complications due to air quality and water quality and um it's you know one interesting thing about this quarantine because the quarantine sucks let's face it but it is interesting that if you're not dealing with this virus like if you're a, a pine tree or a you know you know a, a, a crab or a lobster like you don't really care about the virus and it's weird as that is to say and the world is kind of cleaning up a little bit mother nature is like sweeping out some pollution and processing some stuff a little bit i think it's just a big advertisement for electric cars i mean how great would the world be if we just had more electric cars get rid of these gas guzzlers and get to a world where cars are quiet and don't make weird noises all the time and don't pollute the sky and we can still move around so let's all go buy electric cars tomorrow All right, here we go. Uh, Reactor Crickets, December fifth, two thousand one. I mean, you gotta like this opening, right? This is a band that wants to to wants to play some music. I like this already. I mean, what a catch right there, right? The chromatic up, don't know what to do with that. Then the chromatic down, like just pulling on the the whole sound. Crazy guitar tone in this one, right? Very, very, like, I'm playing the whole solo on the wah pedal. Is uh, Do you guys do that, guitar players out there? Do you play an entire solo jam section on a wah pedal? That's crazy. I forgot I used to do that. I used to do it all the time, and this is a perfect example of why. And you get that, like, searing shred guitar at the top. I mean, you always kind of want to adjust your tone. So why not just leave the wah pedal on and just adjust your tone the whole time? And I guess for a while I was... I was feeling that vibe, and it is a it is a unique sound in itself. It's, it's pretty cool. I mean, this groove is pure fire right now, you know, it's fast, but this drum beat that Sammy's playing is just like, pure fire, I mean, it sounds like a a programmed beat into a computer, it's so precise. That fill was crazy. Craziness, total craziness, gotta love that, gotta love that 2001 insanity that we were on when, you know, that was the craziest band in the world stuff, we were all about that back in the day, it's just like so unhinged and crazy, and it's really fun to listen to. Unbelievable playing on that one by everybody, but really Sammy was incredible, Brownie was incredible, just an unbelievable stuff, note after note, really great to listen to. All right, folks, that's our jam for today. We're going to jump into the interview with Vic Sobti, executive producer of the Touchdowns All Day podcast and also a medical professional with quite a list of credentials. Also on the interview is Crunk Mike. So the three of us talked on a Zoom one day and we recorded the Zoom. So it's going to be a different quality than you're used to on this podcast. But the content is great for just kind of wrapping your head around what it's like to have to be symptomatic for COVID-19 and what it's like to live with someone who might be symptomatic. So check it out. It's uh, it's not that long of an interview, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. And we're going to drop another episode right after this. So quarantine release style is a lot of fun. Here's the interview, guys. Welcome on the show, Vic communicate.
1: Here's what we're going to do. So, you know, for like two weeks, actually 10 days, we thought she had the virus. The way it works is is that the healthcare systems are overwhelmed, so they don't test people right away. So they assume you have the virus for the first six days. And then when they have the rations for the testing, they give you the test and you don't find out for another two days. So she effect, effectively for us and for the world had the virus for 10 days. We found out it was negative, but we didn't do anything differently than what you would do if you had the virus. So oh, wow. okay. for ten days we thought she had the virus. Mm. And as a front frontline healthcare professional, you assume to have the virus if you have a contact who had it and she did. Okay, so So effectively she did for ten days. When we found out she was negative, that's a good spin on the story that my wife won't die. But yeah. you know, I can speak as though we had it, what to do if you have it, how to treat yourself if you do have it, and essentially from there go on, right? Okay, so yeah, yeah, so we can.
0: So basically, you guys behaved as if Good. she had it, but doesn't she have to have? Doesn't she have to have symptoms? If right. you're thinking, are you like, oh, you
1: have it? How, what What were the symptoms? So that's the problem. So wait, should we just begin on what it is? Sure. What are we talking yes, about? Okay. So, so for people know. So
0: let's do the short version. Right.
1: Right. So this is COVID. The reason we call it COVID is because it's a corona type virus disease. In 2019, so it's effectively called COVID-19, uh, and the reason we call it that is because proteins on the head of the virus look like a crown or a corona, right? This is not the only coronavirus we've ever had. There's been SARS, which is severe acute respiratory distress syndrome. There's been MERS, which is Middle Eastern, etc. And these are all animal-born illnesses that then switch hosts to humans and cause severe respiratory problems. Right. They
0: jumped the species gap, as, as and
1: that's where they think we got it. So in China, they believe that it was carried by a bat, and somehow it jumped species to the human, and then Wuhan effectively spread it to the United States and around the world. Okay, so um, let me
0: ask a quick question.
1: Of course, did it
0: jump from a bat? Uh, there's so many conspiracy theories about. I heard that there's the coronavirus manufacturing plants
1: are in Wuhan. Is that true so we do know that in southwest china it started in in the province of wuhan or in the city of wuhan in the province of
0: that's where where the
1: days later quarantine occurred correct and and they effectively um they have isolated that a similar virus exists in a bat so we assume somehow we don't know how if, if someone ate a bat if a bat infected someone by biting them we don't know how But we're assuming right now that it's coming from a bat species. So we can
0: basically say to all the people there, and literally every Uber driver I've talked to are all fairly convinced that the bat thing is just a a tall tail, and there's some kind of nefarious pharmaceutical building that's manufacturing COVID-19, and they lost control (laughs) of it, and one of their people walked (laughs) out (laughs) infected, and they didn't realize it. That you're saying no way somebody ate that? Suit. <laughs> that's that.
1: Yeah, correct. Uh, or you know a better way to put it is if you have COVID nineteen, you're effectively Batman because you've that's eaten it. or been bit by a bat. I'm so, trying. To... You know, take it for take it for whatever you'd like. Right. Except in this case, you don't fight crime. You you could die. <laughs> I mean,
0: look. If you are Batman, you got to save up and purchase the light before you can really. Do <laughs> that's, that's correct. That's, that's correct. Weird. Now, let me ask you real quick, Vic, before we get too deep into this, why do you know this stuff? You want to tell people who are watching a little bit about your history and what, what's your training? What, what's your sure. training?
1: background? background is, is I am a board-certified radiologist. I trained in Chicago, Illinois at Rush University. I did my fellowships at uh, University of Chicago. I, am, I ran a small hospital here in Chicago for two years. I was the head of a teleradiology company and still am the head of a teleradiology company. I've been in the medical world for the last 10 years. I'm also, which is a passion project, I'm an executive producer on Touchdowns All Day. I am a big fan of the disco biscuits and everything that John has put out. But more importantly, the reason I'm so sort of versed in the coronavirus is because number one, my wife is a physician and frontline fighter of COVID-19 and number two, there was a brief period in time where we thought she might have been exposed and had the symptomology of COVID-19. So I took it upon myself to sort of understand what COVID-19 really is and more importantly what to do if you or a loved one have it because I think it's important for public health and public safety that we're all sort of informed because misinformation can be as dangerous as having the virus itself. So yes,
0: let's just pause everyone watching. We want to add to the information flow a little bit. Vic is an expert and he also it was in a situation where they believed that his wife had it. So he would be living with someone on a day-to-day basis, has the virus. And we're going to talk about that here on the show. We're going to find out what Vic did, where his mind was at, and what it means if you, in fact, do get the virus, what are you going to do? What, what's the right thing to do? Or you know, what are some best practices, some precautions to take? So let me start with this. Why did you think your wife had it? What happened?
1: So, and this is important to understand in, in why, why we're, we're seeing more and more areas of place. So my wife is the head of neurology at the largest public institution in the Midwest, if not the world being on the front lines as a healthcare professional and having symptomology of a cough. So coronavirus, uh, just backing up for a second, um, is a lower respiratory disease. It it affects your lungs and predominantly your lower trachea rather than, you know, your upper respiratory symptoms like a a nasopharynx or having sniffles and, and things of that nature. So it's different than the flu in that it affects your lungs worse than it affects your, your head and your, your body. One of the symptoms of COVID-19 is, is a bad cough, uh, shortness of breath, bad cough, a loss of breath, dyspnea, or unable to catch your breath on exertion. She had come down with these symptoms after they thought that someone from the area within where they had quarantined people in China had been. So having a known contact, plus having sort of the symptomology, you would assume that uh, someone would have COVID-19. Now, the reason that you would say you would assume is because, not not to get political, but we were woefully underprepared for testing in the United States to prepare for COVID-19. The testing needs to be done by an FDA-driven, and I, I can't stress this enough, by an FDA-driven laboratory and test device, and it runs a PCR. So what, what they do is they take a sample from your nasopharynx, they stick a long swab in the back of your throat, they swab it around and then they put it on a slide and then they send it away. And in two days, you find out if you're positive or negative for coronavirus. Mm. And that that process usually runs the course of 10 days out from when you started symptomology. So for effective 10 days, you are assumed to have COVID-19 or the coronavirus.
0: All right, there was a lot to unpack. There's a lot going on. So
1: you're saying that, was, was your wife in China? No, no, no. So... So she is a doctor, and, and someone who she was treating within the hospital had a had a exposure in China. Um, okay, so
0: also, they had one they had one, tr- one infection in the hospital, correct. and suddenly everybody in the hospital is high risk at that point.
1: Correct, and and that's the way it's sort of, even now, that if you're a frontline um, sort of fighter of COVID, whether it's a nurse, whether it's a physician, whether it's whatever, uh, mm-hmm. If you have symptomology, you're assumed to be exposed in, in this day and age. It, certainly in New York, certainly in California, certainly in Washington State, where it's worst to have, uh, you know, a background of, of COVID. Um, but I, I want to stress this because it's very important. Uh, of the 100% of people that may carry COVID, right, which is around the world, I think it's like 600,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, 80% of them show no symptomology, right? And then 20% and twenty of them, and then that leaves 20% that will either show symptomology, but of that 20%, 19% of those are just cold and flu-like symptoms. So you have a cold and the flu, you could theoretically have COVID. But the biggest... What did you just say? I have no idea. It was 70%, of 20%, of 19%. <laughs> If I had 100 people that right. tested positive right. for coronavirus, mm-hmm. 80 of them would show no symptoms. You'd be normal. You'd be, you live your life normally.
0: And then you're saying of that 80, what, how many? So 20 of them are what? Coughing all the time? Or what so are they? 20
1: of them, correct, have symptomology of the flu coughing all the time, short of breath, they can't was, catch their breath. I heard that
0: was like the first symptom. Like somebody, yeah, you, you can't yeah, hold your breath for 10 seconds. And if you can't do that, then you might that's like the first sign
1: sure and, and you know the, the thing that makes this difficult is there's many diseases that are that are kind of around just normally that have you have a cough right there's the rhino virus, there's the flu there's tons of stuff right so again of those 20 percent of people if you think you have a cough and you're worried you need to quarantine yourself because what we're worried about is one person out of that hundred has an immunocompromised state, is older than 65, has comorbid diseases, diabetes, et cetera. And when that happens, we're essentially saying that they don't have the same ability to fight off the disease that you do. And that one person may end up dying. And that one out of 100 is 10 times more likely to die versus the regular flu. So that's why COVID is so important is because when you get the flu, 99.9 of you will not die. But when you get the flu with COVID, mm. one of you may pass away. That's what's so scary about COVID.
0: And is there truth to this, people under 60 getting the virus, finding out it's a little bit more intense than they thought it was gonna be, and also at risk of
1: dying? They're at risk, but you know less likely to die. But again, we're not worried about death all the time. That makes it a pandemic, which it is. The problem is, is it can become so severe of a disease that you need to be on a respirator or a breathing machine. And When that happens, we're overwhelming the hospitals, which we can't have. I want to say one important thing. For whatever reason, this coronavirus has zero effect on anyone under the age of eight. We haven't seen anybody under the age of eight affected with coronavirus. Huh. So while it's important to understand this is a very dangerous disease, we need to learn more about why it's not affecting pediatrics and maybe use them as a way to combat the disease. So little river over there, he's in, he's in the clear for now, but Still, we'd like to, we'd like to maintain our quarantine ability.
0: Little River's like, just fell asleep <laughs> in tummy time. And now he's like, where am I? I was
1: doing tummy time and then I fell asleep. We're and good. now I'm awake and what are you doing? Babies hate tummy time.
0: Yeah, he, he hates tummy time, but he, he, he still, he's, he likes a little exercise in the early morning, afternoon. Good. There he is. So he's like, Vic, what are the chances that mommy or daddy get COVID-19? Now that they're quarantined,
1: so that's a great question, Riv. You're a smart little boy, and I'm so proud of you. You're going to grow up to be a great guitarist or a doctor. Wow. Um, I think that the chances are low, and that's the reason we have this quarantine in place. And that's the reason, unfortunately, we had to, you know, cancel the Disco Biscuit shows. We had to cancel, you know, a lot of other events. Sporting events have been canceled, and people are quite angry about that. But If you're in a big, big area where there's, you know, thousands of people and in close proximity, the disease can spread very fast. That's the way it's spread, right? It's spread via respiratory droplets. So that little droplet that you coughed out, someone can breathe in and then they can get disease. The reason we're trying to keep everyone quarantined and keep everyone sheltered in place and locking down areas and canceling shows, unfortunately, in our case.
0: So your wife's in a high-risk situation. Correct. He shows some coughing, some symptoms, maybe dealing with the virus on a very low level, not really sure. Right. And she's head of neurology at a hospital, so you figure sure. she would be able to get a test like that, right? Like that, correct. So how does the testing work? If you think you have it, from average Joe all the way up to head of neurology, what's the right. process?
1: So, and that, that's the scary thing. So we, uh, you know, have trained here in Chicago, built our careers here around Chicago, have a lot of friends here in Chicago that are very powerful in many different ways for different hospitals. And we even at that point had to call in all of our favors to get the testing. So we know that there is a severe, there was, this was again, two weeks ago, and I want to compliment America on its on its call to action and, and testing, which is now more readily available. But two weeks ago there were rationing tests and only one hospital in all of Chicago had the test. It was, what is- Rush. it was called Rush. And we were lucky enough to have trained there. Our friends are heads of services there. So again, we had to call in all favors to get that. And, and again, that's more about preparedness than it is about um, what this, what this virus is. So we called in all of our favors my wife this is day 6 and at the time again we didn't know what was going to happen with this we know a lot more today than we did yesterday and then a lot more yesterday than we did the day before we were under the assumption that we were at 15% of people who have this disease die right so and that's crazy right that's, crazy. that's, that's an, it's an insane number that's that's 15 out of 100 people are dying and and that's not and thankfully the more and more we're getting testing and more and more data we're getting back, it's more like one, and it may go down under 1% of people who have the virus death. The difference is, is, is that if you think you have it today, first thing you need to do is think about the public health and safety concerns. Please, please, please wear a mask to keep respiratory droplets away from other people who may be immunocompromised or maybe older. Let me
0: dig into that. So I was at the airport the other day, and I was wearing a mask. I was accosted by a grouchy old couple who told me that my mask was a waste of time and I looked like an idiot. Is that true? Are they right? I mean, obviously I looked like an idiot. They're right about that. But are they right that the mask was doing me no good at all?
1: Not to throw shade at you, Mark. You're a great person. But the truth is, is regular masks do not stop virion or viruses from getting around or spreading. The actual mask you need is a, is a specialized fit test mask, which is in high demand now, but really reserved for healthcare professionals. That being said, it will decrease the transmission rate. So if you're coughing and you have the disease, a lot of the respiratory droplets can be contained. So no, you're not an idiot for wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. they're more of the, I don't want to call them idiots because that's a little rude, but they're more on the side of, of ignorant because they're the ones, if they're over 60, are at risk. If they even catch any form of virus, it's more likely that they're going to have a far worse time than anyone under 65. So no, wearing masks is still a way to spread respiratory droplets, number one. And number two, the best way, and again, this goes back to abstinence versus you know protection, uh, stay away from people. Quarantine yourself. If you don't need to do something and conglomerate as a group, then don't. And you know, we can bend the curve of of, of spreading that way.
0: Okay, so agreed. I should have told them, you guys are at risk. Would you yes. like my mask or something like that? <laughs> um, so how did you end up testing your wife? What was the what was the
1: test you did? So so day about six, she's got symptomology. Uh, we're calling all sorts of hospitals and friends. And we um, end up, you know, getting getting through to rush because we obviously have a history there. And we tell them the story, you know, my wife has most likely is a frontline, there's people from China who've gotten here and now have a flu who she has been in contact with. And they say, yeah, you're, you're more than likely to need the test. So they ask you to drive by herself, I'm not allowed to go because I'm uh, a risk for getting contaminated Mm -hmm. with her. Even though, you know, I've lived with her, we're trying to quarantine her as best as we can. And we'll get into the quarantine then. She drives by herself up to uh, Rush. There's a little circular driveway. They say, leave your car there. And everyone who comes to get her, there's a nurse and another nurse, so two nurses. They're masked completely and fully gowned and gloved. They walk her into a certain area, which is like a tent, they take a long sort of swab, stick it as far back into her nose as they can, swab around, put it on a PCR, and then walk her directly back to her car and in the car and she goes. So it's, it's essentially, it's a drive-through test. And, and weirdly enough, that sounds overkill, but it's the best way to, number one, make sure no one in the hospital has that contact because mm-hmm. the people in the hospital are at high risk. They may have cancer, they may have, you know, just had surgery, etc. But number two, it also keeps the healthcare personnel more likely to stay away from getting the disease.
0: Right. She's not walking past the front desk staff or the security. We're or
1: sneezing a... on, you know, the potato chips there. You know,
0: so. Yeah. Right. Right. And those potato chips are readily available other places.
1: <laughs> they are. And, uh, right. you know, all, all kinds. Barbecue, sour I mean, cream.
0: That's kind of like, how are you supposed to get tested? Just so... Done.
1: I mean, today is a little different of a story. This was, again, was two weeks ago, and and we've done a great job, in in we collectively as as healthcare professionals and as America, to make the test more readily available. If you are demonstrating signs and symptoms of COVID-19, contact your primary care office first, please. Don't overwhelm the emergency rooms. Your primary care is the best way for them to triage you at this point. To tell you, sort of what they think it is and how bad or how severe it is, and just, if they're telling you,
0: I just, sorry, I never, what does triage you mean? I, no one ever explained that to me.
1: So, so triaging in in the healthcare world means um, really prioritizing and, and getting you away from taking the you know time and efforts of people that that should be focused on things that are much worse. So, it's a good way to prioritize what you have get you before you see and use goods that are necessary for other people that may be in a worst way. Okay. It's a good way for them to sort of pre-see you, if you will, and then make sure that you're in the right area. Okay, so let's, let's get back to your wife. She's in the car, she's driving home. She just
0: had a huge swab inserted into her no- nasal cavity, removed, I guess there's a lot of brain cells on there or something that they get. Correct. Yeah,
1: and they went up into her brain and swabbed around her brain. They swabbed and her brain and
0: then and then she drives home and then she shows back up at the house. What do you do? Do you have a tent in the garage that she lives in <laughs> yes.
1: for the next week? What do you do with her at that point? So we created a small tent city. Uh, no, into it. Um, took- I mean, we- I have a tent. I, I don't know why
0: people, you know, there's a lot of campers watching this right now. I'm That's sure right. they have tents. What What's the correct thing to do? She's exhibiting symptoms. She's high risk. She has the test. How long is the break between testing her and receiving the results?
1: Great. Actually testing her and receiving the results is about two days for the normal person. Because she's a frontline healthcare professional, it's only 24 hours, which is good. Because they need to know, you know, has she infected other people or, you know, is she a high risk, et cetera. She's a much higher risk than other people. 20, they can get it done in 24 hours. 24, 24 to 48 hours. and those are And that time is coming down, actually, which is great. And every day, you know, we're making more strides to get the test more readily available and more quickly done, and then more the test results back quick, more quickly. For what they suggest you do is you come in, you leave the clothes, like if you have a jacket in Chicago, it's cold. you leave the clothes in the garage if you can, if you have a garage or at the front door, and then you walk directly up and then you take those clothes off, you put them in the washing machine wherever you can, Run up and you take a shower. That way, the respiratory droplets, the uh, antibacterial soap won't live. The heat of the of the shower can take them off, and then you go back into your quarantined area. And, And I want to talk a little bit about what that means a quarantined area. She doesn't live in a tent, and it's not as though I'm gown and glove. But you know, using separate bathrooms if you have the ability is very important because that's where most of the respiratory droplets are probably going to live. If it's on your toothbrush, they can spread to another toothbrush. If you're coughing, it can live on, on the porcelain surfaces for a long time. So different bathrooms, wipe down as much of the areas as you can with Lysol and other Stuff you can commercial dry. disinfectant wipes. And then most importantly is, is continually, continually, continually wash your hands as much as you can because a lot of times when you're coughing or when you're sneezing or when you do have contact the, the virion can live on your hands, and that will otherwise you you can touch your eyes or other uh, surfaces, which can cause the transmission. Of disease.
0: So is that it? Separate bathrooms? Do you sleep in the same bed still? No, do do so do it, bedrooms.
1: You know, if it's a, if you are if you are within the ability to you you should be sleeping in separate bedrooms. Um, again, coughing respiratory droplets. If you're in the same bed, there's a good chance this transmission of disease will happen, whether it's on your pillow or the other one. And um, dinner time?
0: Do you eat dinner separate places as well? We so you so basically just bring separate from the
1: house or something. As much as best as you can. Mm-hmm. And remember, I, I want to go back to this. Um, you know, people of younger age are are not at risk of death, if you will. So, uh, and I, I don't want to use that term lightly because it's a very serious disease. But more than likely, uh, it's it's the elderly and it's the um, it's the immunocompromised. So the reason for quarantine is 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 we don't want her to infect me, and then me to go out and infect others, right? Yeah. So we do our best to help the public. So by the 10th day, uh, when we found out she actually did not have the disease, and, and spoiler alert, she's she's happy and healthy and we're, we're lucky enough that it came back as negative. But- um, Wait, how'd the, you get
0: to 10? Wait, you went to from 24 to 48 hours to 10.
1: Right. What's that process? So, so again, she showed symptomology on Monday of a week. Through the week, she was told to stop seeing patients, and by the following Monday, she said, "You're still, you know, coughing. You're short of breath. You're, it's difficult for you to catch your breath." We uh, okay. think because of the, you know, we have rationed tests. Please come in and get tested. So by Tuesday, she got tested, and then on Thursday, she found out she was negative. So for Monday, when she first exhibited symptoms. Uh, through, two, through Thursday when we found out she was negative, we assumed she had it. And we assumed that she was passing on the germs to me or the virus to me and my children and my dog. And, and, and I was effectively trying to quarantine myself So, because I'm also a physician. I don't want to go out and see patients. So the problem is, is <laughs> dog too, exactly. Um, they can't get it, right? They can. They can. And they can also spread the disease, which is dangerous. Now we haven't seen it we haven't seen it where, where it affects dogs, but people often can... can Fido talk. can give me... I can go over and...
0: So if I go to a friend's house and I'm just, like, dropping something off and I want to do as little as contact possible and the dog runs up to me, I should, like, get away, Fido type of thing. I, I even realize this is possible.
1: Uh, you know, so... We, we also have to be this within the reason. Right? News. This is, this I, don't is I don't know connected. if anybody knows that. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm just pretty sure like, they're like, yeah. Definitely. Well, the problem is, is at, to what end? We're not going to be quarantined forever, right? We can't. Okay. We're going to be flying by April or May. I hope. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, you know, the virus, even if it has one host, can spread. So we've, we've got to have the, the whole reason for this sort of shelter-in-place lockdown is so that we don't overwhelm hospitals. And I think eventually, you know, this is gonna be a two to three year process where coronavirus is gonna be spreading across the country just slowly but surely making its way similar to how the flu does each year. And we don't know if it's seasonal. Wow. We don't know if it's, you know, if it can live in different hosts, if it mutates to different viruses. There's so much we don't know yet. It's only, you know, essentially been around since December or November of 2019. It's only six months old and it's already shut down our, our uh, economic system. So, you know, it's this is a lot worse than we think, but we don't know.
0: Okay, so let me ask a question. Speaking of that, so you say you're showing symptoms. You get the test. The test comes back positive. What's going to happen to you next? How long of a process do you have? What do you what do you have to look forward to with the the, the symptoms getting worse, or
1: what happens next? Great question, because this is a very important one. Um, so how the what we've learned from all of the patients who've had coronavirus is that for the first week you have, it starts with, as, as Krunk said, shortness of breath, where you're, you're unable to hold your breath as long as you want. And then eventually it leads to a cough by day four or five. And then you're coughing pretty badly. It's a wet cough. And then by day seven, day six or seven, you get a little better. And that's called the lucid interval, which can be very dangerous because you think you've beaten the disease. Mm. And then on day eight through nine or day nine through ten, you all of a sudden understand that you're even more short of breath than you originally were. And we've seen a huge spike in patients coming back in the second week that now need respiratory ventilation. Literally, they put a tube down their throat and there is a machine breathing for them. So it's a waxing and waning disease, which can also have a lucid interval where you think you're getting better, so you don't think you have it, and then all of a sudden you, you show up to the emergency room and you literally can't breathe for yourself. So this is a lot, a lot different than SARS because SARS was just a, a, a linear curve where you're getting worse, 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 where you need to be, where you need to be respirated, respiratory ventilated. In this case, you go up, you go down, you think you're better, and then all of a sudden you're, you're in deep trouble. Okay, so, so, symptomology up, can be sort of misleading.
0: You go up, you go down, you think you're healthy, and then you act normal, maybe you compromise your immune system a little bit. Correct. And then boom, it comes back, and next thing you know, you go to a hospital and there's no ventilator, you could be in some real trouble.
1: Real trouble, and, and the problem is, is we are, you know, we have about 50,000 ventilators across the country in hospitals worldwide. Uh, if this is a medium spread pandemic, where a million people are infected, which is, you know, a very real number. It's 328 million people in America. Um, We could easily see a million infected. We need 64,000 people on ventilation. We don't have that. So that's the reason we're sort of worried.
0: What is a ventilator? Can you tell us what that is?
1: (laughs) Sure. So a ventilator is a machine uh, Mm -hmm. which essentially breathes for you. It causes positive pressure going into your lung. Uh, retracts the carbon dioxide out of your lung and keeps your pressures for your lungs and oxygenation of your blood um, mechanically done but that requires a intubation tube a tube going down your throat into your lungs it also requires you to be sort of unconscious and more more than more than likely is placed in in an intensive care unit where it's closely monitored with pressuring and it's a very very significant significant burden if you need to be ventilated
0: so if you're conscious and awake how would they hook you up to a ventilator is that is what's the process there
1: So if they, if they, if they determine and, and they being you know healthcare professionals please don't assume that you you need to be ventilated obviously um, but emergency doctors pulmonologists critical care doctors are wonderful healthcare professionals in hospitals have seen you know needing ventilation time and time again and They'll tell you and they'll be sure to understand who needs it who doesn't. And most importantly, they'll be able to tell you, this is how we're going to do it. They'll more than likely give you some medication that'll help you relax, put the tube down your throat and then hook you up to a ventilator. But those are reserved for rare cases. And I don't want to scare, any- scare anybody, but you know, if you do have shortness of breath or cough and you feel that this is something that's worrisome, you may have a sick contact that you know has COVID-19, it's important that you do get tested
0: if you're a young person you're coughing a little bit you feel like okay i've been in some public spaces i've been in a lot of, i haven't washed my hands a lot i've been in a lot of contact you feel like maybe you've done some you know high risk situations that might cause the cough to be in your mind maybe symptomatic do you go to the hospital or what do you do then
1: so again the first thing you need to do is is if you have a primary care doc uh internist whoever it may be, family physician Uh, You call them up and say, look, this is my symptomology. Uh, This is who I think I've been in contact with. I've been out there. What do I do? And that physician who's been trained, you know, to understand your symptomology with COVID, to understand how severe your symptomology is, your age, if you have other diseases, whether it's diabetes, cancer, uh, other things, they can make an informed decision uh, and tell you, you know, in my professional opinion, which is all it is, I think you should go to the emergency room. I think, you know, you've been watching the Disco Biscuits. Someone you knew had COVID-19. You were dancing with them. They coughed directly into your mouth. Now you're sick. I think it's important that you go to the emergency room. I think you need to heed their advice. I think you need to go to the emergency room. I'm not saying Disco Biscuits have that. But um, I think you need to heed their advice.
0: Earlier off the call that if you're younger and you have a cough, like just self-quarantine. Correct. Climbing into bed for two weeks and, you know, just... Into our okay. So
1: the reason the reason that you need to get tested is because you need to know, number one, do you have it? So number two, are you going to spread it to others, right? That's the real reason we want to know who has it, and that's the real reason we want to quarantine you, because if you assume you don't have it and you go out on day seven, if you're assuming, I'm healthy, I'm young, I'm 20, I don't have COVID-19, and you go out and you cough on an elderly patient, or a person, sorry, at the, at the airport as you did john um there's a good chance that they may not have the same immune system that you have and there's a good chance that they can't fight it with. so we're we're just looking out for the good of the of the country rather than just
0: i mean it sounds like you had to pull every string in the you know you had to get correct your wife so, yeah. tested
1: and, and, you and I no wanna,
0: you're right hey, you're right can't get tested if he wants to get tested <laughs> yeah. they want to get tested
1: so i want to i want to reiterate you know when we first came down with this this was two three weeks ago now um we've made a lot of strides in three weeks tests are far more readily available back when we did this in in early march this was march 1st um there were not as many tests as there are today now we're flooding the market with millions and millions of tests from korea and china that have dealt with this before so there's more tests available um one thing i will urge you is is that you know please do talk to your healthcare professional because You may have symptomology that's not like COVID, but you think you do. And one thing we got to sort of curtail is the emotional contagion, which is what it's called, where the anxiety of having COVID-19 is going to overwhelm our healthcare professionals worse than the actual disease itself, right? So anxiety, depression, and and all that stuff is really going to be a problem because we need resources of those healthcare professionals to take care of people with COVID-19 rather than people who who think they do. So again, going back to Mike, I've been coughing, I'm short of breath, I'm young, Uh, I've been quarantined for about five days, I've called my healthcare professional, or urgent care, uh, and I've said, look, uh, things are not getting better, I'm very worried. They're gonna urge you, yes, go to the emergency room. This is is signs and symptoms of COVID-19. We need to know, number one, if you have it, can we quarantine you and don't go out for two weeks? Because remember, Mm -hmm. you have to go to a job eventually, right? And everyone on your job may not be of of a certain age to fight this off. So if you're gonna stay home for two weeks, I don't know many jobs that are gonna say you have self quarantined yourself and we're gonna let you off for two weeks. You need to go to the emergency room to get that test to prove that you have to stay home from work because we'd rather have you not work and infect less people. So
0: what are we waiting, what is the future of humanity in a post COVID-19 infection world is there a vaccine? Is there, is, do we have, does this happen every six months? Is it going to go away like SARS did? Or is it going to be like the flu where it's all the time? Or is it going to be some kind of other thing that we don't, we haven't seen yet?
1: So I couldn't answer that. Anyone who says they can, can't. But here's what I'll tell you is that we've seen this seven or eight times before SARS, MERS, uh, Ebola. Uh, H1N1, swine flu, bird flu, uh, it it happens. Um, And the problem is, is that while I wanna hope that this becomes better and it's just gonna go away like the other ones did, you can't run public policy on hope. So my guess is that in two weeks from now, when shelter in place is put throughout the country, we're gonna see how this curve of spreading the disease is. Uh, We're also going to have more widespread testing, so we'll know the numbers of death, we'll know the numbers of infection versus who has it. And then from there, we can make a more informed decision. Now, if I were to make an opinion, uh, I'm guessing by May, uh, this sort of levels out. So March is now, April is going to look a little worse, but it's going to start getting better and better. And then by May, we're going to actually look like less people are infected day after day after day. And then from there, we're going to go back to life as normal. And I think by July, of 2020 we're going to look like life was it was a big scare but things are sort of back to normal I think flight is going to be opened up I think cruise ships can be opened up I'm hoping that concerts are put back on um and it's just something that we need to know that we should learn from rather than react to and that's what I think is going to happen I think it's going to be okay uh I think the long term is going to be okay and while you know there are going to people be people that pass away from this um we're going to learn how to how to protect ourselves a little bit
0: so, what are your thoughts on Camp Bisco Music Festival, Scranton, Pennsylvania, mid July camping festival, 25,000 people? Is that going to happen? Water park? Is that just the kind of festival that in this environment we need more time for? Or should we buy our airplane tickets now while they're cheap?
1: I think July to put on a festival, while it's probably fair, um, I would think August is a better time, and I would think September is even better than August. And
0: do so you don't think there's anything to this this stuff that I've been hearing, which is in the summertime it's hot, viruses don't survive in the heat, uh, coronavirus isn't in the equator, you know, it's not down there. So it's there's in the hot, as it gets hotter this summer, we're gonna have a, a just a, the virus is gonna be kind of eradicated by that. Could come back in the fall, but won't be around in the summer. You, so. Uh,
1: You know, we only know um, what we've seen, right? We're learning from history. And all the other viruses we talked about today have actually followed that same pattern. So theoretically, you are correct. July could be, there's far less cases. This was a seasonal virus. Winter, our immune system is naturally low. And are you asking me what I love to see Camp Bisco on July 12th or whenever it is this year? Mm-hmm. Yes, 100% yes. And I think there is a chance at this point, I'd place it at, you know, 50-50 that the virus is, is seeing less people each day. We've we've got an appropriate response to that. And if you wanted to make that jump, you could in July. Uh, do I think that people are still going to be gun shy? Yeah, 100%. So do I think that the population of people of concert, vo- concert goers are going to go down? I do. But I think that's going to return to normal. Um, I'm hoping and I'm, I'm very hopeful that even by April or May, we see that the, the cases each day are going down. And if that were the case, then I, I would be all behind the July. You know, this was a seasonal thing. It's gotten better and let's go.
0: Is it possible that if we over quarantine we won't develop herd immunity and then we have a situation where it will come back and it could come back and be just as bad, if not worse? Than this original outbreak, uh,
1: that is a very valid point, and that is what Britain actually just passed recently is they're going with the herd mentality, allow us to spread the disease, create an immunodeficient or create an immune response to the disease, have antibodies similar to what your vaccine is, create a vaccine, and we're done, right? Uh, the problem is, is that if you do that, the number of sick will go up too high in America versus, for instance, in Britain and we will overwhelm our hospital. So I think they're trying to do that, but in a contained amount. So every two weeks, we're gonna let it out and then quarantine again, and every two weeks, and maybe that will go on for maybe a month. And then after that month, then enough people have spread it where we have a good vaccine virus, about a good uh, response to it.
0: Wow. Here you are, folks. Just listening (laughs) to us talk about what is affecting the whole world the coronavirus.
1: I can't believe I'm on this.
0: <laughs> I, I can't believe that you're such an expert on this. What a resource you are. I yeah. think, you know, you're, you're you're the Dr. Phil of the touchdowns all day.
1: That's Dr. what I hope to – look, I, I also – please put this out there. If anyone has any questions or needs to speak to me at all, um, you know, my Twitter handle, Vsabti, g- please give out my email – I'm happy. Look, the the Touchdowns All Day community is a family to me. I really believe that. And, you know, I'm obviously very intimately involved. The Disco Biscuits community, very intimately involved. Very happy to be part of that. And more importantly, I'm happy to spread whatever I can or any sort of advice you have or any questions you have. Feel free to reach out to me at any time. I'm available as Crunk and, you know, Barbara know. I'm I'm just here to help. Um, You know, we're all in this together. And we're going to make it through this together. So it's the only way to do it.
0: All right, folks. who heard it here from Vic, executive producer of the Touchdowns All Day podcast and actually a teleradiologist and That's doctor right. and his wife is head of neurology at a hospital. And they've been through this a little bit. If you get a chance to watch this in full, please do watch the segment and... You know, let us know how you feel. Send us an email at com or hashtag Touchdowns All Day on Twitter or Instagram, and we'll shoot back to you. Talk to us. Let us know how you feel. Thank you, Vic, for coming on. Thank you, Crunk Mike, for putting this together. And we are, we're going to wrap this, right? We're going to put this on the YouTube page and maybe make a podcast out of this too because it's very informative.
1: Thank you, guys. All right, boys.
0: Wear masks! Communicate! Wear masks! Oh, we commu- communicate! Wear masks! Communicate!